This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Saturday, May 8th, 2021. I'm Caleb Brown. It's notable that the leadership of Saudi Arabia and Iran are talking to one another, and it should be encouraging that those discussions do have implications for U.S. policy. Cato Institute senior fellow Doug Bandau says the U.S. does have a role to play, and the U.S. should take a step back. One of the biggest problems we have in the Middle East is essentially a Sunni-Shia civil war that is highlighted by the struggle between Saudi Arabia and Iran. The U.S. has been dragged in as a uh, partisan on behalf of Saudi Arabia, one of the reasons the Trump administration took a hard line to Iran. Everyone would be better off if those two countries came to some sort of a peaceful relationship, even if not terribly friendly. The fact they are talking is a dramatic change from a few months ago or a year ago. And it gives us hope that there might be you know, some kind of a even cold peace in the offing. Americans probably who you know don't pay attention uh, much to the Middle East would say, well, aren't Iran and Saudi Arabia just the best of friends? Now, these are, these are countries that have long been antagonistic. They've come out, number one, on the uh, different sides of the religious issue. Americans tend to think of Muslims, but Islam is split very dramatically between Shiites and Sunnis. Uh, there are made, you know, they all believe in the Quran and the Prophet Muhammad, but they follow kind of different lines of authority coming down. They have different religious practices. And while there are more Sunni nations among the most populous Shiite nations, one of them is Iran. So it's uh, far more populous and uh, frankly powerful in many ways than uh, the Sunni country of Saudi Arabia. The uh, Shiite, uh, you know, Shiites in Iran are much more radical and kind of revolutionary. The Sunnis have an absolute monarchy in uh, you know, Saudi Arabia. They don't want any change going back hundreds of years in some sense. So these countries are very much at odds. So uh, what is the role of Iraq in all of this? Well, Iraq is a Shiite majority country. It was long kind of run by, dominated by Saddam Hussein, who happened to be a Sunni. I mean, he was very secular. He wasn't particularly religious. But what he did was is kept control of a kind of Shiite uh, you know, religious activists. Indeed, back in the 80s, he launched a war against Iran, a very bitter conflict. A million people died. So as long as he was in control, you know, basically Iraq stood apart from this conflict and actually had a passable relationship, at least for a time, with uh, Saudi Arabia. When we removed him from power, we enabled the Shiite majority, and all of a sudden the Iranians had a friend in Iraq. So uh, Saudi Arabia is looking down the road, and what they see is two very important Shiite majority countries working together, and it grew much more fearful. With the U.S. and our unsteady relationship with uh, Saudi Arabia, uh, one, how has that complicated relations between Iran and Saudi Arabia up to now? Well, Saudi Arabia, to the extent it believed that the U.S. would protect them, was willing to take a much more provocative and hawkish position towards Iran. You know, Riyadh long urged the United States to be very tough on the nuclear issue. They were not at all happy with the JCPOA, that is the nuclear deal. 
The Obama administration went, uh, supported them in their war on Yemen, primarily to reassure the kingdom that the U.S. was on Saudi Arabia's side and to win at least acquiescence to the nuclear deal. So the U.S., uh, you know, for years has been very friendly to the Saudis. They provide a lot of oil. They've always been helpful in that regard. They've been relatively conservative in the sense that they don't you know, try to upend matters in the Middle East. While technically hostile to Israel, they've always had back channels and security services working together. So they've long been viewed as an ally of the United States. With the rise of, uh, of, of Iran as a revolutionary power, that relationship has grown more intense. And the problem from America's standpoint is that Saudi Arabia, number one, is a very authoritarian place, not at all friendly on human rights. And it has become a very disruptive and destabilizing force, you know, by invading Yemen and by being involved in civil wars and other things. So uh, to the extent that the U.S., uh, as, as you made note of, the uh, assisting uh, Saudi Arabia backing its war on Yemen. Um, you know, how does the United States one cool its relations with Iran while simultaneously uh, not supporting the uh, Saudi Saudi war on Yemen? Are those one and the same? Well, what the Biden administration is trying to do, in a sense, is revive the Obama policy while throwing out Yemen. Uh, that is, the uh, the president and many of those around him who were involved in the Obama administration recognize that the war in Yemen has been a humanitarian atrocity, an absolute disaster, very destabilizing. So they have withdrawn U.S. support for offensive operations by Saudi Arabia while saying that they would still stand by the kingdom when it came to defensive action. So that is an effort then to distance themselves from really the, the worst action that Saudi Arabia is currently involved in, while putting pressure on Saudi Arabia to negotiate with the Yemenis and potentially the Iranians to end the war. At the same time, what the administration is trying to do is revive the nuclear deal. And the hope there is, number one, is to halt any uh, you know, nuclear activities by Iran, but also set the stage for potential negotiations over other issues. Iran you know, is also a very destabilizing force also very bad on human rights. So the hope is to, you know, instead of constantly threatening and sanctioning Iran, is to at least open a dialogue. So to recreate the nuclear agreement and then use that as the platform to move forward. And the hope there is that then on both sides, you can start dampening this conflict and in a sense, move the U.S. out from the middle of it and leave it much more to the participants. Going forward, the U.S. needs to stay out of this. The most important thing for the U.S. is to make very clear to both sides it's not interested in going to war with either Sunnis or Shiites. You know, this is something which neither country benefits from that, and the U.S. certainly doesn't benefit from being in between them. And I think what we're seeing here is a potentially very significant moment where the Saudis in particular no longer can offload responsibility for the problem and assume the U.S. will protect them. But instead, they see the need themselves to try to come to some kind of modus vivendi. There have always been some Gulf states, uh, Kuwait, for example, Oman, and Qatar, that have had relationships with Iran. I mean, you know, difficult potentially, not always the easiest, but nevertheless civil. They've shown that they can do that. 
you know, Iran, I think, really would like to move forward, have some economic growth. It has a very young population, a very pro-Western young population. You know, without jobs, uh, without a future, that could pose problems for the current regime. So both Iran and Saudi Arabia have a lot to gain if they can step back from being constantly at odds and having the threat of war hanging over both countries. What is the general sense uh, from the Biden administration about uh, greater cooperation between uh, Saudi Arabia and Iran? Well, this is very new. I mean, the administration, as far as we can tell, is not involved at all directly in the negotiations. From what we can tell, it's probably been primarily security uh, officials, uh, intelligence officials talking. We, you know, we don't have a meeting yet of top political officials. It's not a foreign minister's meeting. It's not uh, you know, the, uh, the revolutionary leader in Iran with the, uh, the crown prince or the king. Nevertheless, the U.S. is happy to see this because from an American standpoint, this is the best opportunity to try to downplay the conflict. And if that would ease, then we would suddenly see less pressure from Saudi Arabia to take their side. The U.S. would feel less pressure to threaten Iran. You know, it would allow the U.S. to step back and finally start turning some of these issues over to the participants. And if you dampen that conflict, there's a better opportunity to try to end the war in Yemen because both Saudi Arabia and Iran have basically been playing it indirectly. They've worked through their proxies as opposed to doing it directly. You know, that what you want to do is uh, if you start dampening that, we might have an kind of an opportunity to solve some of the other issues that are out there as well. Doug Bandau is a senior fellow at the Cato Institute. And now it's time for a podcast sponsor shout out. John Stossel, thank you for your generous gift to the Cato Institute in support of the Cato Daily Podcast. Cato's work promoting individual liberty, limited government, free markets, and peace would not be possible without supporters like you. John, again, thank you. Subscribe to the Cato Daily Podcast anywhere you please and follow us on Twitter at Cato Podcast.